into the bigger and decided, man, this is not what I signed up for. And he was burned out, he was worn out, and he resigned from the church he was pastoring that seemed on the outside to be bigger and better than life, but it was just wasn't. And so he spent some time in the United States and he just kind of recalibrated. And he came back and in November 2003, a few pilgrims prayed together searching for God's direction for them as a community. They searched for a biblical metaphor that would inform the rhythms of the group. And after a few weeks of study and discerning God's voice together, they landed at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The clay pot church. Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he wrote, We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for ourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives our lives at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. While we're going through the worst, we're getting in on the best. There are so many contradictions in those verses. So I think that it's safe to say if we really want to, if we're going to be a community that commits to following Jesus, there's going to be lots of contradictions in our life. To think that the circumstances of our life could be at the very worst, but who we are is the very best. I mean, it's, it's an amazing statement about who we are following and the difference that Jesus makes in our life. As this group picked that analogy, this is what they did. That analogy grabbed us and and they used it. And so this pastor went out and he got a clay pot. At the conclusion of one of our services, we placed this, this clay pot in a big bag and then we broke it on the concrete floor. And it symbolized our brokenness. And everyone in the community took a broken piece home and all of us wrote a prayer on the shard. And we came back together the next week and we reassembled the pot the cracked pot church. Although the pot is glued together, it still isn't a picture of perfection. Yet when we put a candle in it, it radiates a glorious light through the cracks. Now this cracked pot church decided that they weren't going to be the bigger, the biggest and the best. They went for authenticity. They went for reality. And they ended up being not a church of thousands, but a church of less than a hundred. And every year they break that pot. And they reinvite people to pick up a piece or not. So people are not, they don't, they're not making commitment to life for this church. They're making a commitment for a year. And in that they raise the bar really high. And from what I learned in just reading that, I, I think it's really important for us as a community of people in the season that we're in to really raise the bar higher. I think we should not settle for something less. I think we should go for something more. So I've got a sheet of paper. Garrett, if you could help me.
Would you mind? Ashley, would you like to help too? This is a sheet of paper for every adult. We defined adults as anybody that is over the age of uh, 12. 12 and not 12 is 13 and up. Our teens, we try to treat them as young adults. And as I go through this, everything that I'm going to say is going to be on this tab of paper. And I don't necessarily uh, want you to be checking as we go, though you may. What I'd really like for you to do is just listen for the ways that I think Jesus is inviting us to raise the bar of expectation and commitment. And then as we're having our time of worship, let Jesus speak to you and let Jesus direct you in what you would check off, what you would like to participate in, and what you seriously would like others just encouraging you in, because this will be a way for us to encourage one another and say, well, how are you doing here? Or how's that team going? Or are you in that community group? Again, it's not a way for us uh, to control anybody. It's just a way for us to help each other, to spur one another on, which is a really important part of raising the bar of expectation and commitment. So the Clay Pot Church, learning from them, number one, let's, let's plug in with Jesus every day through prayer, Bible reading, or other spiritual exercises. So what I'm saying to every one of us that is an adult, that's an adult, it's really important that each and every one of us takes responsibility for our own time with Jesus. Group Bible study is great. It has its place. Sunday mornings has its place. Community group has its place. But your time with Jesus is irreplaceable. And a community of people, every one of us as an adult that decide, yes, every day, best I can, because there are days we all miss, but I know the time and I know the place and I know where I'm going with Jesus I'm going to live in daily relationship with Jesus day after day after day. I'm going to commit to that, and I'm going to invite you as somebody in this community, ask me about that every every once in a while. I want to plug into life with Jesus. I put on our webpage a resource that I think is really helpful. It's been exciting to see a couple of people use that. But that that resource is called Examine. Dot me And examine.me has all kinds of Bible readings that you can do, all kinds of journaling, all, all kinds of prayer uh, disciplines that you could do. It's a really helpful tool if you want to go there. So that's number one, uh, plugging in with Jesus, every one of us on a daily basis. Number two, schedule two bread-breaking meals a month. Bread-breaking is more than just having a dinner together. It's, it's what the early church did. I, I, I know that the early church got together by the thousands at the temple. But they never, they never observed the Lord's table at the temple. So the Lord's, how we do communion, the Lord's table, that we, we invented that really through Roman Catholicism. And we, be, we, we really begin to emphasize the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus. That's not what the first century church was doing. Not that they didn't believe in the sacrifice of Jesus, but those thousands of people then broke into small groups, however they did that. And they all went home with each other and they had meals together. And in that meal, in those homes, that's where they celebrated the Lord's table. 
They invited Jesus to the table. Come, come dine with us. And we're going to break bread in the name of Jesus. And remember what Jesus did for us. And we're going to drink wine together. And we're going to celebrate his blood shed for us, the forgiveness of our sins. And we're going to celebrate that he's coming back. They did that in small groups at meals. And so that, that's, that, in a sense, is the breaking of bread. But what was really, really, really awesome about that is not just that believers would gather together, but they had an open table. And they really wanted the unbelieving community to come to table with them. Jesus went to table with lots of unbelievers. That's why he was called the friend of, of tax collectors and sinners. He was a glutton and a drunkard because he would go to table with people. We want to do that. We want to encourage each other. We want to raise the bar. Let, let's commit, each and every family, let's commit to having two bread-breaking meals a month. One with fellow believers, whether they're in this community or not, that, that, that just broaden, you know, whatever. The other, though, is with somebody that's seeking God. Bring somebody to your table and enjoy a meal together. Let's reach out. We've got the best news on the planet and many, many times that best news is shared best, not on a Sunday morning, but around our dinner tables. So let's do that. Raising the bar of expectation and commitment includes developing an ongoing friendship with someone different than ourselves. Different in the sense of different religion, different race, different class. That We really value diversity in a way that we can enjoy diversity is hanging out with a friend that's not like us. Now, I want to commend our community. I want to say I'm really excited, and I don't, I don't think we duped you, but we had a family that visited us last, last week. It was a Burmese family. That family is a different, of a different religion. That family is of a different race. That family speaks a different language. That was a Muslim family that came and, and spent a Sunday morning with us. And Steve, what did they think? Love the music. Fancy love the music. Yeah. What? A Muslim would love worship? What? And you were hospitable, and they were just overwhelmed by the hospitality of the community. Well, that's the way we should treat people that are different than us. And I, I hope you realize that there's another message where we're supposed to be afraid of those people. No! Was Jesus ever afraid of anybody? No. No. Make a friend. And don't have an agenda. I'll make a friend. If, if, if I can lead him to Jesus, I'll make... No. No strings attached friendship. Jesus can make himself known. Don't worry about that. Make a friend. Can we commit to that? Can we develop as a community a servant mentality? A servant mentality wherein we seek to distribute our life's resources, our time, our talents, our treasures with those in need. I believe that we live at a time and in a nation that is really being undone by selfishness. 
We are a nation that we have tremendous wealth, but at the same time in that tremendous wealth, we are the nation on the planet that is the deepest in debt. What that tells me as I read that is we have an insatiable desire for more, for more, for more. And in that, it's very difficult for us to begin to distribute our resources because those of us like me, I'm just, I'm just an average laborer. And, I, and I'm seeing that I have fewer and fewer resources to distribute now I don't know I don't know what you keep up with I don't know I don't know if you're concerned at all but I'm very concerned about inequities within our economy It's be, and again it's because I'm an average worker and I employ average workers and while I really believe that if you have more responsibility you you should be paid more if you're a CEO you should be paid more you got more responsibility but best I can tell, those of us that believe that, believe that the difference between the CEO and the average laborer should be seven to one, seven dollars more for the CEO than the one dollar for the worker, seven to 12. That's from, a, that's from a liberal Democrat to a conservative Republican. That's what our expectation is. Does anybody know what that disparity is right now? $364 to one. That means, you know what, this is the good news. My monthly income, since I'm the CEO of this community. <laughs> man, I'm going to play this one. Steve's going to come present our budget. Just wait till you see the salary line. It's going to be $1,274,000 a month is what I deserve as the CEO of this place. <laughs> you know what's really kind of sick is there are some places that would feel good about that. Well, if we're paying the pastor that much, we would, we're going to reap the benefit of that. You, you believe that? You know, when you start coming into to giving... As much as I would like to, as, as much as I'd like to believe, then I, I'm altruistic. And so, if you know, if you gave me this unbelievable salary, I would contribute a 10%. The reality is, the more you have, the less you give. Now, people that are wealthy give a lot of money, but they do not give a tithe. There are very few rich people on the planet that give literally a 10% of their income doesn't happen give a lot of money but it's not the tithe you know who gives the tithe statistically do you know who gives the who's closer to giving the tithe people that live in poverty you know why they're saying oh god all i have all i can do is trust in you and so I'm going to let go of the little that I have, trusting that you're going to provide for everything that I need. The more that we accumulate, the less we have this servant mentality. The more we have fewer resources to share. We have got to be part of the solution of this. And the part of that solution is to develop this servant mentality. Let me invite Steve to come share with you just, just about our community finances and how it ties into this.
Hey, Steve, could you speak into this? Too? I can speak. Thank you. Need a little bit more? Walk too much, but you know. I mean, I mean, okay. Okay. While, while he's untying me there. Um, we'll give you a short leash. Thank you. <laughs> I need a short leash right here, Mike. Before I, before I go into the really interesting stuff of the budget that's being passed out to you guys, I wanted to add one thought to that story about the Muslim family that came last week. Part of the reason that that was possible, I believe is the Friday before our Sunday service, he needed to go to the mosque because he wanted to go to his service, and so I went with him. And it was a, actually a very enlightening, very good, good service. I agreed with the sermon, by the way. Everything the man said in his sermon I really liked, which if you want to know, I can tell you that later. But what I'm, the point of that is, if you're going to befriend people that are different than you, especially of different religions, you've got to be willing to say and not be threatened by going to things that they're involved in. You know, okay, I went in and sat in on their service. Did that hurt me? Not at all. Yeah, not at all. It helped me become a friend with them. So that's just a side note, and we can talk more about that later if you like. Anyway, uh, when, when you were coming in, you may have seen me giving out letters. These are your uh, year-end statements. I'm going to get rid of this first, take care of this first. Uh, if you haven't gotten one yet, for example, I mean, here's Jerry's. And I've got it on top. Could you pass that to Jerry without looking at it, please? Thank you. Cool look. If I haven't given you one and you think you should get one, two things may have happened. Either you gave cash and I didn't know you gave, because if you give cash in the box and you don't put a name on it, I don't know who you are. Or I forgot your name, which, or I never knew your name in the first place, which is possible, because I am not good with names. So don't, you know, don't be as shy. Come up and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I, do you have one for me? Because I may not really understand, you know, I'm bad with names. Let's just leave it there. Okay, uh, let's talk about the budget. If uh, you could put up the first slide there. This, this is last year. Now, uh, our, on the right is, is what our goal was for last year, and on the left is what we averaged monthly. Okay, I want to show you this. I'm just going to give you the facts of last year. Obviously, we didn't reach our goal. Now, what did that mean? That meant that all our bills were paid except one, and we were not able to give Scott and Susan a full salary last year. And which really, I'm thankful to Scott and Susan for, for allowing us to do that, but that's not what we want. Are you guys thankful for Scott and Susan? I'm going to stop right here. We, we, we love you guys, and we, we appreciate your sacrifice for us. But that's not what we want. So we want to be able to, to pay them fully. Now, that's just at that level. Obviously, there was a lot of other things we weren't able to do, but that was the main thing that we were obligated that we really did not complete. The other things that we wanted to do were like outreaches in the community, help with our children's ministries, upgrade that some, help with our ladies' ministries, help with men's, you know, just things that churches want to do. The reason we are going to the next slide. Uh, this, the next slide is the budget for next year. And it's essentially the same as last year uh, because we didn't reach our projected income. Now, Scott's theme this morning is to kind of raise the bar. We want to be able to reach that estimated income that we feel like we can make so that we can do more. You know, we're not just a church that gathers to meet our obligations and so we can gather every week. That's pretty internal thinking, isn't it? We want to reach outside of us. We want to be able to make a difference in this community, in this state, and in the world. And the only way we're going to do that is if we pull together our resources and our finances. And that we can do this together. So, 
Well, this is all a pie chart representative of what you have in front of you. We're not going to take questions about that. If you have questions about exactly what our budget's going for and what these line items that you see on that paper are for, I'm going to be around after church. Please come see me. Come talk to me, and I can give you your receipt, and I can tell you the answer the questions about, oh, what is this and what is that, if you have any. So we are giving you this because we want to be transparent. We are a community. This is all us doing this together, and so all us needs to know what all us are doing. Does that make sense? Okay. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. I'm from North Carolina. <laughs> now, let's look at the next slide, can we? This is based on the budget in your hands. It's where we are so far this month. Now, you've seen these slides before. Do they help you? I just, I just kind of wanted to ask you. you guys, does it help you to know where we are in the middle of the month? There's a reason we do this. The reason is, as I said before, we are a community whose this is our responsibility. This is our obligation. But I really don't want you looking at it like that. This is our chance to serve not only this community, but the community beyond us. And so I don't, we, we, we do this because we want you to see that this is not just a group of people that have to take care of the budget. It's everybody. Okay? And I'm showing you these things not because we want you to give more. We're not here to pressure you to give more. We just want you to understand our philosophy is that this is not dependent on any one family or any two or three families. We're all in this together so that we can make a difference. Now, our, while we all enjoy coming to church and enjoy what we get out of it, aren't we here to make a difference? Yeah. That's, that's what we're here for. Yeah, we're here to learn. We're here to train. But we're here to make a difference in New Braunfels and in Texas and in the world. And we can only do that if we pull our, our resources together. Now... I want to kind of give you some philosophies behind this. And that was, I just gave you the, the big part of, of the philosophy. But there's a reason that we give. Two reasons, really quickly. And for me, this is, this is important because it's a whole motivation factor. But first of all, we give because it is all our responsibility. Secondly, we give because, and I can tell you this from my own personal experience, it's a great joy. I, I mean, guys, I want you to know, when you give, and I'm not talking about any kind of other rewards that God may, we'll talk about that in a minute, but when you give, there's just a joy that comes from giving. We, and I can give you this from a lifetime of giving. I, I, we, my wife and I, we, and I, I say this humbly, God's been allowed us to be able to tithe for our whole lives and above and beyond even at times. And I'm so thankful because I get such great joy from giving. It's, it's a freedom, it's a release, and it says nothing has any hold over me, and I get a great joy when I give. And so that's one of the reasons we're encouraging you to give, or I am this morning, and I'm sure Scott would agree with me. I want you to experience the joy of giving. And a lot of, a lot of communities use that to beat you over the head up with it. I'm not. Because this is something I'm going to continue to do because I enjoy giving. And if you want to join that joy, get into that joy, then come join give, give with us. The third reason we give is because there is a bi biblical instruction to do that. I'm glad Scott mentioned the tithe. We are, we are called to give a tithe. And there is a biblical promise that God will meet our needs and God will abundantly bless us if we do that. I bring this up last in my part of this, this message because... I don't want you focusing on what you're going to get out of giving. But 
if we give, even when we don't, as Scott mentioned, even when we don't have the money to give, God does bless us. There are so many stories in my and my wife's life, uh, married life together, that I could tell you where I have given and God has given back. Abundantly. You know, that's the only, you know, some of the times in our lives, because, you know, we've lived overseas, worked in missions, we've, uh, I'm in the process of actually, you know, that's one side of it. Right now, I'm kind of in seven years and starting a business, and so I see, you know, those of you that have done that, you know how much faith that takes too. But I've seen God just be faithful in that. Bless our lives over and over and over again. So I tell you that not as a, you must do this because God says so. I tell you that as a testimony that if you do this, this is what will happen. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. But more than that, there's a joy when you give. And when we give together, there's an even greater joy because all of a sudden we can start seeing things that are being done beyond and outside of us. That family last week, I want you guys to know not only did we give them five hundred dollars for for food and cash, but several of you came up and gave them more money, and they went ahead, went away, blessed and happy and excited, and they want to come back and be with us. What does that say? Giving brings results that we can never, ever, ever measure in that sense, but we can enjoy and love. So I I, I do this to encourage you. Please evaluate your life and say. Okay, yes, the church, but I want to give. I want to give. I want to give. It's a lifestyle that will always, always bring you joy. And I can, I, you know, I wish, I wish, it's kind of like explaining to you what an orange tastes like if you've never tasted it. Try that sometime. You can't do it. You just got to do it and see the joy that God's going to bring you. Okay? So I'm going to leave that back to you. Thank you, Steve. Please come see me if I haven't given you a, a receipt yet. So let's develop a servant mentality. And then let's keep building community. We really believe that our connection with one another is extremely important. As the writer of Hebrews says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. My, my bias is, again, that we can do that on Sunday mornings, but we do that so much better when we're in smaller groups. Right now we have five different opportunities for uh, community. Jason and Alyssa Payne, George and Cindy Bocorny, Robert and Kelly Eby, Otto and Christy Gallagher, and Nathaniel Smith. All of those folks are leading community groups that we can all connect to. In our community right now, we have 95 adults. I, w I would like, again, in raising this bar, I would like for every adult that calls River City Vineyard their home church to be connected to one of these small groups. Now, these small groups, if we did that, then every small group would have 19 adults in it, and that's too big for a small group. So then that leads us to the next raise in the bar. We got to learn how to multiply. So those 19 people then become two community groups, 10 adults in one, nine in the other, and you keep multiplying because you want people being able to talk to one another. 19 adults in the same room just doesn't work. 10 will work, 10 or less. 12, yeah, maybe growing then. But that's, again, raising the bar of expectation. So my encouragement is that we all connect to one of these five groups and then we'll go through the process of learning how to multiply, which could be exciting. We also have the opportunity of team ministry. We believe 
that every one of us uh, benefits from being on, on a ministry team. And, and we don't want to have just one person doing the task that many could do. I'm going to use Mike uh, Dotson for an example. Mike takes, he does a great job of cleaning our building. Some people love cleaning. Mike loves cleaning. But I don't want Mike cleaning our building all by himself week after week after week. Why? Because as much as Mike may like cleaning, he's going to burn out. And as Steve was talking about the joy of sharing the community funds together, it's, it's the same thing. Everybody that loves cleaning gets to be on the team. Michael, he'll develop how that, how that works in a schedule. And so now there's five to seven people that, that enjoy cleaning the building. And we can do that with every area of ministry that we have committed ourselves to, children. We, we continue to need people to serve our kids. Serve our kids. I mean, that is a really precious ministry. Uh, we've got youth ministry that we're hoping to develop. We've got women's ministry and men, art and creativity, hospitality, creation care, worship, intercession, compassion, our building use and care. And then we have mission partnerships. My friends, we really believe that everybody can play. Uh, we don't just have select people that do our worship. Anybody that wants to participate in worship will help you do that on the worship team. I love this statement. Ask not, what is my spiritual gift? Ask, how am I a gift to this community? My friends, everybody that's here is a gift to this community. And every spiritual gift is available to everyone that's a gift to this community. And the, the, the Holy Spirit's the one that's in charge of distributing the gifts through each and every one of us as we serve. If we're not willing to serve, then we'll never understand the dynamics of spiritual gifts. There's no reason for the Holy Spirit to put that grace in our lives if we're not going to use it. I mean, you might walk around all the time, I got the gift of evangelism, I got the gift of evangelism. But if you never do, if you never are sharing the faith, nobody, what good is that? It's, it's a grace that flows through us. The Holy Spirit wants us again to make a contribution into the lives of others. And so what, you know, what's your bend? What's your preference? What, what would you like to commit to? Again, every adult that's part, we want every adult on a ministry team of some sort, or you can be on two. You could be on three, but don't go beyond three. That's too much. We don't want everybody, you know, you know we don't want this to be like a burn. Oh, man, i got to go to that again. We don't want that. We really want people to have a want-to mentality. Then another really exciting thing is domain engagement. And I don't know how we're going to develop this, but it's something that I, I read about and heard about, and I think it's really important. Again, raising the bar of expectation and commitment. My friends... If what we do as a community of people does not influence the world around us for something better, then what are we doing? If all we're doing is gathering on Sunday mornings and singing and learning in the Bible, and we go to Bible study, we have community groups, if that's all we're doing and there's not an, that's, that, that's not the, the means to the end, the end is Jesus came to change our world. The status quo of our world is not meant to be that way. I do not believe 
that things are going to just travel from bad to worse until Jesus comes. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's what Jesus introduced. Who did Jesus, who, who met Jesus when you're reading the gospel and wasn't better because of meeting him? There's only, there's only one crowd, really. It was the people that wanted the status quo to stay the same. They were vested in the status quo, whether they were religious leaders or political leaders. They were the only ones that didn't benefit from Jesus. Everybody else benefited from relationship with Jesus. Now, think about yourself. Is your life better or worse since the moment you met Jesus? I'm not saying perfect. I I was born into a highly dysfunctional family. Highly. I could tell you horror stories. I'm not going to tell you horror stories. I was a sick person. Broken. I'm not that way anymore. Jesus has made my life better. Jesus has made my family better. If he's done that with me, if he's done that with my family, don't you think he's doing that in all of us? And if he's doing that with all of us, doesn't that change the place where we live, planet Earth? Come on! Somebody posted about Jimmy Carter. And, and I don't... Have you read about Jimmy Carter and the guinea worm? Hadn't read about Jimmy Carter and the guinea worm. This is an illustration of domain engagement. The first domain is, is food and water. Jimmy Carter in the mid-1980s was in Ghana. And he saw a horrible scene. He saw a young woman that had a guinea worm coming out of her body. It was horrible. A guinea worm is a parasite that lives in the waters of Africa and Asia. And if you ingest the larvae of the guinea worm, that that larvae then hatches within your body, and then as that worm grows, that worm comes out. And it comes out wherever that worm wants to come out. And when it comes out, it comes out in this blister thing that explodes... And most people are putting their foot in the water because it, it, you know, it's the cooling. Well, that's the larvae being released. So it's just this perpetual cycle. In 1986, there were 35 million cases of people infected with guinea worms. Today, thanks to the effort of Jimmy Carter, who believes, you know, if you do something about some of these problems, things can get better. 35 million, 1986, today there were 126 cases. In 1991, those 35 million cases were spread out in 23,735 villages in 21 Asian and African countries. Today, those 126 cases are in 30 villages in four countries. This is probably going to be the second disease that we as humans have been able to eliminate from the, the, the planet. Smallpox being the first, the guinea worm being the second. Now, my friends, I don't care what you think about Jimmy Carter as a politician. I believe Jimmy Carter is a follower of Jesus Christ. And I believe he has a vision that because I know Jesus, things can be improved on this planet. And by golly, by gosh, I saw that young lady infected with that guinea worm. I did something about it. Now, that's, that's how domain engagement works. You might work in your, your do- domain, Sylvia is a teacher. 
Is, is your domain where your passion is, is it education? So she's one of the fortunate ones. But it doesn't, you, you may not be employed in your domain. It just may be your, your, that's the area you're most concerned about. I'm not an economist, but I'm really concerned about the economy. So it's, it's kind of a domain that I'm drawn to. Well, there's some way that each of us in our domains can get together as, again, a team and say, in my domain, this has gone horribly wrong. What can we do with a servant mentality to begin to bring the influence of the kingdom from us into the bigger world? We want to explore that this year. How do we raise that bar of expectation and commitment? And how do we actually become the change agent that Jesus wants us as his followers to be? You see, when he comes back, he's going to ask, what did you do? What did you do with the talents I gave you? Well, man, we built these buildings. And then we had these great meetings. And we wrote all this great music. We had all this great Bible study. And he's going to say, you stop short. Those are all the means to the end. And the end is that the kingdom of God would influence all of humanity. And we get to be part of that. Wow. Now, that ties into, well, gosh, maybe that's blowing your, like, whoa, I haven't ever heard that before. Uh, well, maybe we need to learn some more. I found this quote. I love this quote by John Stott. Life is a pilgrimage of learning, a voyage of discovery in which our mistaken views are corrected, our distorted notions adjusted, our shallow opinions deepened, and in, in, in some of our vast ignorances diminished. That is a great statement of what learning is. And so as a community of people, we want to, we really want to encourage one another, challenge one another to continue to learn. And as our learning adjusts, our opinions, our notions. I mean, that's, that's like, you know, fireworks going off, but that's okay. So we, want to, we just want to say there's, there's vineyard values and beliefs that we want to pass along. We have an institute called Vineyard Institute. We have spiritual direction, which is a really interesting learning opportunity. We have the journey of understanding, which may be the biggest thing that we do that really blows up misconceptions that we have about the Middle East. We've got two of those scheduled this year. And then in, in um, July, we have the Vineyard International Conference, which, again, would just be this learning experience uh, for us. Now, as a community of people, what I'm saying is I believe that these are the things that Jesus wants to do through us this year. I don't think this is it. But I think best I know, this is kind of what I would like for us as a community to commit to initially, and then we'll just keep going on the adventure. So really what I'm asking you is I'm asking you to raise your commitment and your expectation and commit to building community, improving teamwork, engaging, learning to engage in the domains that we all either employed in or have a passion on. Uh, go on a journey of understanding or help somebody else do that. And then finally, participate in a learning community of the variety that we have. We've, the two big events are the ladies' retreat and the vineyard conference. My friends, we will all benefit as well as our neighbors 
and the world around us if we will raise the bar of expectation and commitment. Would you like to stand with me? Dear Jesus, we stand before you as cracked people. We're not perfect. But your light does shine through the cracked places in our life. And Jesus, as a community of people, we want to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right stuff for the right reasons. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. I'd ask that you would take all these thoughts and all these challenges and all these expectations and all these different... I just ask that you would guide us to making decisions this morning about our commitment to you and to us as a community of people following you. Lord, I ask that you would empower every one of us. Holy Spirit, empower us individually and corporately to raise the bar higher, to want to make a deeper, longer-lasting commitment to those areas that you're inviting us to step into. We ask for your help in making those decisions. We don't want to just do it out of a sense of obligation or pressure. We want to do it because you're leading us. So what I'd ask, Holy Spirit, is you would take these thoughts... And that as we worship you, that you would begin to speak to us about how you want each of us, and then really all of us, to raise that level of expectation and commitment. We bless you in your name.